The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go! You're wasting time! Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, theories, discussion and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself having written the books. My name is Jakey Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John and Frank. Pottercast, Pottercast. It's two shows in months. The world is ending. <laughs> well, the world's ending anyway. But there's also two Pottercasts this month. Hey! That is true. That's hey, the one hey, good hey. thing about 2016. Seriously. I look back on 2016 with nostalgia because it was the year we were given Fantastic Beasts. Exactly. Of many. That's true. I mean, just just how chaotic would society have to get for us just to decide, you know what, this podcast, it's not worth it. Like, would <laughs> I there mean, need gonna, to be like daily find out like, what limit we riots can... in the streets and net neutrality out the window? We're just as important as major world events. Of course Potter we are. Cast. Yeah. Of course. Hello, welcome to Pottercast. If it's your first time listening, we're sorry about that. My name is <laughs> Melissa Anelli. Hey, I'm John. My name is Frankie Franco, or Frack. My name is Zach Louis, or Zach. <laughs> I love it. Now, you guys used your last names. I yep. did not. I last knew that week was you happen. made fun of me. You buttholes. <laughs> I knew it. I knew as soon as I said Melissa Anelli, that's exactly what was going to happen. What I love evs. It. It's cool, man. What evs. We are the... One of the longest running Harry Potter podcasts or just podcasts ever. The longest here. running, except for like three weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, but who's keeping count? <laughs> and I have the emails and the domain registration to prove that we... <laughs> we have the Harry Potter podcast that has the earliest <laughs> domain registration. Yes, that does. We just, Can you make that the tagline? To go and like... The, yes, I will. This is like the fight we've been having since 2006 with, with our predecessor. That's um, so funny. But we are a podcast. We have been obsessed with Harry Potter forever, for 20, 20 years now. We've been working on it in some form or another, which is not true because Harry Potter wasn't out 20 years ago, but near 20 years. Yeah, near 20 years. Uh, we've wow. all been involved in it, yeah. Harry Potter seems to be as about as big as it's been in a while. And my podcast app on my Apple TV and on my phone has been featuring Harry Potter podcasts for like four weeks. It's insane. And we have been right up there. Completely crazy. And so cool to see all the new shows that are out. I've listened to many of them and uh, it's very cool. And uh, I, I have to imagine that with minor exceptions, most of those people started out listening to either Pottercast or Mugglecast, as we mentioned, uh, being 10 plus years now for each of those shows. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And this is the, one, of the, one of the podcasts where you can hear two major Harry Potter fans fighting. Yes, oh, we fight so much <laughs> loudly. But <laughs> spoiler alert: we, we like each other a bit too. So it's not yeah. it's not always this heated. Just most no. of the time. John, you and I have been fighting, fighting since we've met, but it's oh, never yeah. diminished our love for each other. It's weird. Oh, sure. It is. It is a unique experience, especially spending six weeks in a van with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Frankie. <laughs> you aren't wrong. Listen, like, this stuff oh, is important. Oh. Yeah, and then, you know, we take five minutes and I go, eh. Some of you may have experienced it for the first time on our episode last week, uh, like me. I just, <laughs> I, I, I had to sit back and I wondered what was going to happen. Like, if someone was going to get jinxed, like, I wasn't oh. sure what was going to shake out of this. Nah, John and I have been doing this forever. I love it. I love when we get so committed to our ideas and whatever that it gets heated but people yeah sometimes you're like wait wait i'm not i'm not used to yeah. conflict that doesn't end well, i mean in, listen in like i'll know. be honest guys you know we've been doing this for a long time the last movie came out a long time ago four or five years ago last book you know going on almost 10 years i have always liked harry potter but i haven't been like super excited about it in, in a while, in a good chunk of time, up until this movie came out. And I swear to God, I've seen it four times in the theaters now. That's like, awesome. I'm, oh, I'm wow. that weirdo. Wow. I've seen it twice at the Chinese theater. <laughs> and I was there actually on Sunday with my girlfriend. And we were one of, we were two of maybe eight people in the whole Chinese theater. So I think it's the last weekend. But, ah, uh, just, it's just. There's so much in there. There's so much J.K. Rowling in these movies, and uh, there are so that's much. That's why I think I'm freaking that's why I love out it about it so much. It. Yeah, if there wasn't, I don't think that 
I wouldn't be as excited as I am, but there just so obviously is so much of her in these movies. So this is now our second episode talking about Fantastic Beasts and the Fallout and such. Well, we asked you guys, um, being listeners here, um, if you had any theories, and uh, we talked about a few of them last week, and you guys uh, did not let us down. We sent in quite a few interesting theories, and we will talk about most of them, but... uh, do we want to start with anything in particular, guys, or do we want to dip into the old mailbag and see if we have any uh, prompts to get us going? I was wondering what your opinions are on Dumbledore's moment in the cave when he was experiencing the grief after he drank the potion. Like, what do you guys think that those words meant? And uh, what scene do you think he could have been directly referencing? Oh, come the hell on. <laughs> <laughs> Just queue up last week's episode. I have to say, though, I totally... I totally last week, John, completely missed the part where you said it was his feel. I don't know if I like got distracted by a bumblebee <laughs> in the beginning. You said I didn't realize that you had said from the beginning that it was his feelings, which I was like, oh, yeah, OK, fine. And for some reason, I thought that you were saying that it was like exact. And that's why we even argued. But it yeah, was fun. I was that's why I was so confused. Like, how how are you not with me on this? This is very <laughs> this is pretty straightforward. Stuff. I was there. I was there. It was the misunderstanding was good because it's been a long time since we've had that level of John Melissa yeah. friction. <laughs> That's true. I love John Melissa friction. Same. It's fun. <laughs> Fan friction. Oh, oh bum bum. All right, let's listen to some actual All right. Oculus Repair Hey, it's Kelsey from Canada, and I've spent the last week obsessing over the line. I worked mostly with dragons, Ukrainian Iron Belly, Eastern Front. So, does this mean the wizards joined World War One, Or was there another Dark Lord before Grindelwald? And what were 30-year-old Dumbledore and Grindelwald doing during this war? I have so many questions. Whatever the conflict, I'm pretty sure the Lestrange family is deeply involved. Why else would Queenie know the name? Also, Newt's wand wasn't snapped because he went to the front line instead. Thoughts? Well, I'll just refer you guys to Pottermore, where there is a full page that talks about how the... Um, Wizards of America had played their part in the Great War, 1914 to 1919, even if their overwhelming majority of their nomad compatriots were ignorant of the contribution. There were magical factions on both sides. Their efforts were not decisive, but they won many victories in preventing additional loss of life and in defeating their magical enemies. Well, can I just point out, though, that neither Newt or his brother are American? Right. So that's not... well. What there are magical people fighting in the Muggle Wars is what this is at least establishing. So right, yes, I do find it interesting because we were told that there are parallels between Grindelwald and Hitler. What would have been happening in World War One? The minister at the time, British Minister for Magic Archer Evermond, passed emergency legislation forbidding wizards from getting involved. However, Henry Potter. Huh. Who was a member of the Wizengamot was was had outspoken pro Muggle views, and he got condemned by this minister for his defying, I guess, of this statute during World War One. Mm. So basically, J.K. Rowling is is uh, crafting the Wizarding World's version of the table of events, and in the Scamander's case, they were possibly connected into the fray. By, I don't want to say like a counterculture or a resistance of any kind against the establishment that was not allowing it in their country. But it looks like in a way that that happened while the American wizards did end up aiding muggles in Europe. Yeah. So it sounds like there were it wasn't just wizards working to help muggles. It sounds like if there were Ukrainian iron bellies on the eastern front, that there were also wizards on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, it says that there are magical factions on both sides. The efforts were not decisive, but they won many victories. And Theseus was a war hero that would have had to have been World War One because Grindelwald, she has said before, it was the first real big dark wizard. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a there wasn't a wizarding war war before this. They're talking about the World War One, right? Okay, at least not internationally. Right. Lots of countries had their own little civil wars. I think your question maybe hinted toward the fact that. If World War One wasn't specifically caused by muggle chaos, that maybe it could have been influenced by wizarding factions in the background. And if it was at all, uh, was that because of another dark air quotes leader or did they just join the fray after? There is something that J.K. Rowling said, and I'm trying to find it right now, 
during our interview with her back in 2005. And she said something about the wizarding and the magical world affecting each other. Like symbiotic almost, if something goes yeah, wrong on the, the side. Yeah, one kind of, yeah, does affect affect each other. If that were to happen, if, if World War One were to be, by definition, the way that it happened in actual history, if in J.K. Rowling's canon that were still the case, it, it it's not crazy to think that bad wizards would take advantage of the chaos and try to use it to their advantage, oh, not only against other wizards, but to also, you know, push against muggles themselves. Right. Yeah, because Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Well, here, I just found the quote I was thinking about. First of all, in this interview, so I just want to, like, things change, because in this interview, J.K. Rowling said that Grindelwald was dead. And as we know, he appeared in book seven, so she changed her mind. But uh, we said, is he important? And then we asked for some backstory. And she said that a child had asked her once, is it a coincidence that he died in 1945? And she said, no. She says, quote, it amuses me to make allusions to things that were happening in the muggle world. So my feeling would be that while there's a global muggle war going on, there's also a global wizarding war going on. So maybe Grindelwald is not the first kind of impetus for a war. And then I think I had asked her, yes, do they feed each other the muggle and wizarding wars? She said, yeah, I think so. Mm hmm. And then we said, you've gone very quiet. Because she did. She get very quiet <laughs> right after we answered that question. Gosh. So Dumbledore was 33 years old when World War, when World War One started. Okay. Wow. You have to ask yourself, what was his involvement? I mean, of course, that's the question. But, oh, man. So cool. <laughs> so but she also said that Grindelwald was dead in that, st- in that interview. So, you know, hey, who knows? Who knows? Well, since the conflict between Albus... And Grindelwald happened, you know, the Ariana conflict happened and they and they split paths and they both were going towards the greater good, you know, before obviously the, that he was 33 years old. It's not crazy to think that rather than there being another Dark Lord, that the Dark Lord that they're thinking about that would have such a presence in World War One would be, it could have been Grindelwald. Absolutely. Or it could have been whoever Grindelwald studied. Yeah, exactly. Studied or even betrayed and took, you know, mm-hmm. or just, it could have just been, his, you know, his testing waters just kind of like oh can i do this oh, so this happens and i do this it's interesting that our timeline in fantastic beasts is after this first conflict that was resolved in some way and we're we're just seeing headlines about grindelwald so if he did if his involvement if he did have involvement in world war one then you would assume that he didn't achieve infamous status so can we just talk for a second about the ukrainian iron bellies uh, iron iron bellies what would Newt have been doing with Ukrainian iron bellies at the front? He's not obviously not a, a warmongering fellow. So is he trying to calm them down? Is he trying to stop them from getting involved? Is he tr- what, what would he be doing? I think maybe part of Kelsey's question was maybe he was he was at the front lines as a punishment for being expelled or as a like not punishment, but as a compromise, like. They said she said something along the lines of not snapping his wand. Maybe he was sent to the front lines, and if that was the case, I could see maybe because his brother was there, because his brother was a war hero, and he has an affinity towards these animals, and so he was trying to make the best of a bad situation. Maybe like he was kind of like volunteered to go to the front lines, and so like, what are you gonna do? He's like, I'll do animal stuff with dragons. I don't know. I think that that's it. I think that he was probably taking care of him i doubt that he was on top of him shooting spells at other no wizards. he wouldn't be fighting no them. no no i don't think he would, would be, be but like healing is them. He, yeah is he just is he just helping them is it like what he what seems he doing? to have abilities of like a healer in, in in some ways and you know just his his personality and his you know way of approaching creatures would probably make him really good at you know being close to dragons where most people wouldn't be good at that in anything that we've ever read or anything that we've ever watched like we're talking about dragons and 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 warfare right now like this is this is pretty wild stuff yeah i mean you would think there would be like you know just as you know muggles have rules about uh using chemical weapons and things in war you would think there would be rules about using certain creatures because like there are some creatures that can wipe out whole towns just with like one you know attack like what's the uh the nundu can wipe out a whole village yeah i mean part of me thinks of course they're going to use dragons because the small battle we got on hogwarts voldemort you know he used everything as, as his disposal giants 
giant tarantulas. Like, I don't think that's like a taboo for them, at least for the dark, the dark side. It's just that to me, it's normal for them. He says to Jacob, I was working with Ukrainian Iron Brothers Eastern Front as though he meant the Eastern Front of the war. I'm sorry. Were there dragons in the war? Did they obliviate everyone that did that survived? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like mixed in with muggle (laughs) soldiers, like actual other infantry. What's he talking about? That's what I'm saying. Either it's a different Eastern Front or there was the biggest mass obliviation that happened before the story of Fantastic Beasts. I mean, they could have been up high in the air. Sure. That makes sense. They could have been invisible those are some good invisibility charms well i mean if you if like six wizards doing it i don't know it's i would argue it's easier to make something invisible like put the effort into making put 20 people's effort into making something invisible than 20 people's efforts than wiping 300 people's memory sure but you just have to imagine in a war like okay you got six the effort of having six people keeping a dragon invisible seems like it would be pretty large but who knows and at what point are they worried about wiping people's memories when they're like things are things are high enough at stake that they're fighting with dragons in front of muggles i guess but they seem pretty concerned about it because nobody has there's like not like muggle reports of dragons after the war you know yeah Yeah, and you know what like from just from uh fantasies where to find them you get a sense that the american muggle laws and just from pottermore in general the american muggle laws are so much more strict than the european ones and so like It'll be a bigger deal to them than it would be to like the UK wizards. And so for them, dragons helping a lot. They're like, we're just helping people. We can worry about it afterward. Yeah, I maybe. think the bigger question or concern for me is the fact that that was World War One, and that at some point in these movies, we're going to see the second iteration of that. And it's it's pretty clear that wizards are going to be involved. And I don't even know what that's going to look like. Hi, Pottercast. My name is Aubrey. Something that I was really confused about was why Graves wasn't affected by the Obscurial attacking him, like with Mary Lou and the politician Shaw, how they both got the scars on their face and they died. Graves wasn't affected this way, and I think it might have been because Credence has more control over his Obscurious and that he may have been subconsciously protecting Graves and that Graves still has a hold over him that he will use in the later movies. We're comparing one of the most powerful wizards in the wizarding world to two muggles. Right. He was able to evade it. I do think it could have killed him, though. I think that sure is the nature of... Yeah. Absolutely. But he, he was just too too powerful for that. Yeah. like The dude took on all of the, you know, magical law enforcement there on his own without even breaking a sweat. Now, your guys' understanding of the Obscurus is because he was turning into it and turning out of it. It wasn't he was sending it out of his body. He was transforming into it and forming back into human, correct? Because like his face was all yes. over it. Yes. It was it was bursting out of him, just like they described how it burst out of Ariana. Like it just turned on him and burst out of him when he couldn't control it. Yeah. Okay. And so he just over the years had control, got a, some modicum of control over it, or at least knew a situation in which kind of had a point it in the right direction for lack of a better term are you guys ready for uh the ultimate obscurus theory though Go ahead. Uh, yeah i've had more time to think about this the film portrays two different obscurials credence being the one that we know about the one that we see transform and his little sister modesty interesting hmm. there are many clues i will lay them out clue number one we begin the movie on a street with a blown up building uh, that Graves shows up and looks around. The um, monster, or whatever you want to call it, Obscurial, that flies away after more destruction, looks very different from the Credence Obscurial in that it's freaking invisible, right? We don't see it. Oh, that was a POV. It says it's a dark thing with eyes, which is how, like, you know... It did. Okay, go ahead. Finish the theory. I don't want to interrupt you. Sorry. uh, Later, when we see the invisible Obscurial, where where we we, we do see it again, is what kills Shaw, Senator Shaw. um, Totally invisible Obscurial. Looks completely different. And uh, note that that murder came right after the scene where Landon Shaw brings the Barebone family to the newspaper and... uh, 
Senator Shaw insults him, calls him freaks. Now, we know that Credence got upset at that, but we also saw a lingering shot of modesty looking pretty PO too. And when you read the book, the, the script, uh, the screenplay book, um, there is a lot of uh, stuff written in between the dialogue that describes modesty as being really excited when they show up to the, the newspaper and then really upset after get, they get called uh, a freak. And uh, when you think about their reaction to kill somebody after being called a freak, it doesn't seem like a reaction for somebody as, you know, controlled as Credence, but could certainly fit the bill for somebody quite a bit younger and potentially more sensitive, which is, is possible to be more sensitive than, than Credence. That's true. How, how that vengeful is. did Credence actually feel? Right. So his feelings were hurt, but uh, he wasn't the one who was super excited and optimistic about going to the newspaper in the first place. Further, going back to the beginning of the movie where they discovered that building blown up, it's the same damn building where they find modesty later in the movie. Is it really? It is because the building is on the left side is still blown up like it was before. There is an odd bit of dialogue in that Graves asks Credence, you know, what is this place? And Credence says, you know, this is where, uh, you know, Ma adopted Modesty. She lived there with her 12 brothers and sisters. Yeah. Why would Credence have any problem with that? Right. Doesn't seem like he does. Also feeding your theory is what the heck was Graves' vision if it was about if it was really just Credence? Well, yeah, and there's two Ooh. other big things here. The other one is that Credence is legitimately trying to help Graves find the obscurial. And Credence knows full freaking well that he is also an obscurial. But he is legitimately helping if for, you want no more evidence than look again at the screenplay book where they make a point to show all the times where Credence is looking intently into the face of every child in that orphanage one at a time as they come to get their food and, you know, paying real close attention to try to see who else among them might be the obscurial. And, uh, you know, modesty and uh, chastity are, you know, part of the family. While these other kids, they're, they're, they're kind of brought in to like, you know, an orphanage type of place. They're not families so much. So, he, he, he's not going to want to assume it's family. And uh, modesty is really interesting because she seems to like the fact that she could be magical. She is disobedient. She doesn't pass out the flyers. Um, and she throws them all up in the air and she keeps a wand under her bed. And that scene where Mary Lou breaks this wand in half after Credence comes in and discovers it and is shocked and is probably putting it all together in his head when he realizes that, holy crap, this is modesty. Uh, she could be the obscurial here. Um, yeah. Mary, it, it, Mary it Lou a, comes in. It, it, it is a toy wand, by the way. It is definitely. She's confirmed that it was a toy. Yeah. Fine. But still, when Credence uh, gives Mary Lou his belt, like he goes through with this whole song and dance like he's used to doing, giving her the belt. But suddenly, the belt gets whipped from her hand, burns her hand. And then when she tries to grab it again, it scurries away. Credence has no reason to do this. Well, he might be has trying to protect to her. In that. At that point, if he's putting it together, I could see him raging because... He may be trying to protect her at that point. But Modesty wasn't the one about to get whipped. It was it was Credence. And we've seen Modesty like looking really right. upset and protective. Like when the, the night that Credence came home and Mary Lou was on the stairs and she's like, all right, I'm going to whip your ass again. The camera pans down he whips and her sees hand. Modesty. He, she, she whips his hand. I know. I just, well, I'm being funny here. He's being silly. He didn't whip his literal ass. But Modesty is at the bottom of the stairs looking, you know, super pissed off. She's given the same look as she gave in Shaw's office after they were called freaks. So, you know, how many times is she going to watch her uh, older brother here get whipped by this belt? Now, they're, they're just adopted siblings, correct? 
they're yeah, adopted. They're all adopted. Like we're left to assume here that uh, you said brother. I wasn't sure if you were implying that they were like legitimate blood relatives. No, no. John, I buy this. I, I totally. I, what I would also say is that that house is like a den of obscure. There may be more. You're talking about so all these kids just play the percentage games. However many there are, Muggles versus Wizards. Some of them are going to be obscurial, and even if there was a little wisp of it, you can certainly stoke that fire and turn them into a force. I think that Murray Lou is purposefully trying to adopt possibly magical children, mm. and that when and you look into her history, her ancestor Bartholomew Barebone was the was the a man scour. that went yeah a scour, and he was the one that led to Rappaport's law being enacted in the end because he kind of had a relationship with a magical woman and it led into him learning more and more about the magical world to the point where he tried to expose it. And it was a disaster. It was a total mess and uh, an, an interesting person to be her ancestor and to take up this cause. Also, scourers, scourers like were, were, were executed you know, by the wizarding community. So there's a lot of ingrained resent resentment and hatred of the wizarding yep. community mm -hmm. by that that line. Yeah. So if her for if her family were scourers, then yeah, then she's got she's got animus for sure. Definitely. So I just think that maybe the obscurial becomes dark and insane for credence because he's so much older and so much more powerful. Like it it would it may begin less Power. I mean, Graves is super impressed at how powerful Credence is. It's, it's not normal, right? No, definitely. It's interesting. I like part of me is yeah. That's something that bothered me when I watched the film the second time is how much they really skate the line of the shot work on making it a red herring, pointing to modesty. Mm -hmm. Um, and so. I do think that the first shot we saw, it wasn't invisible. It's a it's a POV shot um, of the obscural. Yeah, I agree with that. And so I think it's I think it's I would argue that it's intentionally not showing something, so they use the POV of it because then they do the whole shot of the snake worm bird that fills the Macy's building. Mm -hmm. There's that one shot where something goes in and goes, <laughs> and so it makes you think it's just playing with the audience. Playing with the POV of the fact that, like, the the Makuza is like, oh, some one of his things escaped and we need to make sure that it's, you know, it's getting in control. Right. But all the modesty stuff, it's skirting the line of just being completely misleading to an audience. Mm -hmm. And so, if there is a reason for that, I'm, like, all for Same. it. Same. Yeah. So that's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. It's all Also, we should explain who the scourers are. Um, the scourers were like when there were ma there was before there was a government in America. They were mercenaries. They were vigilantes. They went around arresting people, tracking down wanted criminals. But they became they became corrupted and were eventually murderers. And Barebone yeah, it was like Wild West of the Wizarding World. Yeah, and Bartholomew Barebone uh, committed the greatest breach of the international wizarding statute of wizarding secrecy when he, you know, a nomad got. Wizarding World information out of this woman Dorcas Twelve Trees that he met at a picnic. Mm -hmm. Dorcas, <laughs> Dorcas, yeah, exactly. Um, and that led to what John was referencing before, which is the Rappaport's Law, which is the strict no integration of Muggles and uh, no matches in American Wizarding. Yeah, it was just a huge overreaction to try to, you know, reacting out of fear to try to, you know, yeah. get rid of this perceived threat you know no, yeah. no different than shutting off the country's you know ability to have people immigrate to it if they're of a certain yeah. religion yeah it's, and it uh, seems like th there's a there's a th their descendants have sort of a dark presence so some of their descendants the ones that are wizards see it as a a blight in their history they it's like sort of being descended from i guess terrorists you know something like that mm-hmm and then nomadges are descended from people who like knew at one time there was magic and now there's not. So you can see how this woman came to be because there's something in her lineage that that the, this deep belief that magic exists, but nobody believes her, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there's another character in, in this book, in this movie 
that uh, has a lot in common with with that, and that's again Landon Landon Shaw. We talked a little bit mm-hmm. about him last week. Another thing that I picked up recently was that uh, um, if you remember Senator Shaw's speech, um, the little bit that we got to hear was speaking about how much success they've had with you know. Um, their efforts in the pr- prohibition and shutting down all of the, uh, you know, the saloons and the uh, pool halls and all the places where people were gathering. And uh, uh, Landon is described at least once as uh, appearing drunk. And he, he almost has the look of somebody who has been drinking. So you're, you're looking at a character here who is not taken seriously People probably just write him off as a drunk and has nothing interesting to say. And that person has reason to believe that there are magical people out there. And he's going to want to prove that he's not just a drunk and he's not crazy and he's telling the truth. Like, this is a dangerous person. Like, this family, the Shaws, are certainly going to be significant, if not in the next one, in, in all of them. Yeah, I'll give you that. Peeling off of your thoughts of the uh, the mass obliviation from last week's episode, then it it basically sets them up for that in the next movie. Definitely, and the cameras that were taking all these pictures of all of that are going to be useful to the Shaws in trying to reconstruct what happened. And um, to repeat what we said last week, the potion that the Thunderbird let off, which isn't a potion, is just the the sweeping evils venom. Um, Newt was experimenting with it and believed it would be useful to get rid of bad memories. Nothing about just a blanket obliviation. Right. And he has every reason to change tell. newspapers. It was erasing. It did physical change things. newspapers. It and absolutely so, like, did. If it can change newspapers and print like that. I think it could handle cameras. And I think yeah, the door is open the into thinking that that could have been part of the repair, though. Nah, I think that the the newspaper is erasing shows that the, that records are also erased. That's a pretty damning it seems like evidence a toward the cameras also venom. being erased. Yeah, because it's not repair. Like reparo is reversing damage, not erasing things. Listen, we didn't hear the incantation of any of the spells, and I'll grant you, it's possible the venom might be able to just intuitively know what it would need to do to a newspaper but that it, seems it is because the newspapers involved. you see them you see them disintegrating i yeah, I, I remember the scene it switches from newt and jacob being wanted for burglary no no, no. Being there's also a scene where you irrelevant. see them wiping out completely they're like blank the papers at the newsstand yeah at the newsstand maybe it's the same scene we're talking about yeah it's the same one yeah but i think that that's a pretty pretty clear evidence that the records that were taken of this event were also deleted i think i'm just saying they made a point to include the line get in here make sure you're taking pictures and they don't waste dialogue i i really think that there's a chance that some of those pictures survive but sure. i have no way of when knowing exactly for sure does that line happen it happens right when uh papa the shaw is showing up and he has the reporters there with him and they're I know, like get what in there point get in of there. the movie the subway um right when they all show up to the subway station at the end when right. the big so before, uh, shield goes up so before before the rain yeah before what before the oblivion thing yeah. Well, yeah 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 definitely oh yeah it's when the the bubble they they finish charming the bubble yeah i mean this. look it's certainly possible but i think that's just a clear you know there i think that I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of holes in this scene. Like, how in the hell it did the potion water get all the way into the shower of that dude? That's easy. There? Got into the water supply. That's- <laughs> but how no, see, quickly I was is it hoping being that it was just in the plumbing? It's raining. It's covering the city. The aura. But then they made a point to have him have what's his face? Uh, what's his name? Jacob walk into the rain before it affected him, which kind of made me a little sad because, like. I like the idea of them, like, it's just washing over the city, and so it's permeating, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I hope it's just because there has to be people who were just, didn't go outside that day. Yeah. Sure, there's going to so, be some people who didn't come across a lot of water, you know, who didn't go outside, but yeah. those people are going to be so minuscule yeah. that talk about gaslighting, yeah. you know, nobody's going to believe them. So, they're gonna, yeah. it's going to seem like a dream. Certainly. Well, what do you think? Because I, I I don't think any of this was done by accident. All of these small details that we're referencing Never. on one side of the line or on the other side of the line, it just it strengthens my thought that I don't think in general that J.K. Rowling writing this movie would commit herself so strongly to a mechanic like Venom falling from the sky, fixing all of their problems at the very end. No, it's only going to give them the like false sense of 
security that it worked. Like, there's no way in hell that it worked 100%. I mean, Jacob, him realizing Queenie was who she was at the end of the movie is like the biggest clue in the whole damn thing. Like, Queenie is not a bad memory. That could have been the power of love, though. I, I would like to think that Queenie had something to do with that, but that's just a fan. That's just headcanon. Like, I would love it if she being more inclined to memory magic. You know, Frankie, I don't even think it's headcanon. She, she definitely, he definitely has some sort of hold on her. You know what I mean? And she definitely has some sort of hold on him. If it was, if it was completely obliviated, I don't think that would have happened. In the, and they, yeah. they went to pains to show that. So I think you're right. I think there is some sort of and connection there. And she smiled still. widely and she mm-hmm. can read his mind. And if she did not see some recollection in his mind of her, she would not be smiling as big as she was. No, but I mean, I'm thinking, I'm saying that she did that on purpose. This was, that was of her design. Your kiss theory? Yeah. Like the kiss is like, the kiss was part of that spell and that charm. And so then she just went and like, you know, she just like, she's, she's, probably been shopping there a lot and so it's kind of, she's just kind of seeing how long it takes for it to or she just waited to come in this day after he got his bakery up and running i don't know and so like yeah why not i i i, I just i want to give her some agency in it versus uh versus the failing of newt i want to give it like yeah. i want it to be agency on her part but i just really like queenie so i could be seeing it a little biasly oh are you doing magic let's see them Hey, hey, Pottercast, this is Stephen Finkel, and I hope you guys are doing a spellbounding as always. Now, I've always been interested in the idea of the other schools other than Hogwarts. I know that in the next few films, hopefully we will be finally getting to see Ilva Mornay, which I am very excited about. But I'm also wondering if we'll get to see some other schools as well. I know that the next movie is set in France, so possibly could we be seeing the Beaubaton's Academy of Magic? And obviously there is the history of Grindelwald in the Durmstrang Institute, and who knows, they might have some interesting information about his past. And also, during the Makuza trial scene, we were introduced to a character that could have possibly been of Japanese descent, and I'm wondering if she might be the Minister of Japan and Makahiroto might come into play or any of the other wizarding schools as well. I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts on that is, if you think we'll see more than just Ilva Mornay, or if the information released by JK on other schools was just for fun, or if it might actually be important plot points down the line. Also, if we did get to see other schools, what sort of things would you guys want to see out of the information that has been released to us? Thank you guys so much, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Stephen Finkel. What I want, I'm just gonna jump in real quick because I want to see the wandwood, the the, the Slytherin wandwood tree. Like I want to see that tree. Oh, I want to see that tree too. So bad. If I can see a shot of that tree in the courtyard in front of the Great Hall of Ilvermarnie, I'll be a happy camper. I was afraid to be too hopeful about this kind of thing before I saw this movie, but. If you just look at the amount of details that we've been talking about from a Hollywood blockbuster, I have I have so much faith that they're going to go into all of this. I just why wouldn't they? Well, I don't know. I mean, do you think we'll go back to America at the end of this series before 1945? It's hard to say, but I see no reason why the movies couldn't take a, a thematic turn and explore the other schools, not necessarily individually, but there's you know there's no reason why we can't get almost an adolescent look while we're getting the adult look at the same time, right? Yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I I really want the schools to be in there, but as little we had one line or two lines about Ilvermorny in this film, and so I don't think it's I don't think I'm being pessimistic if I say I'm not expecting it. Yeah, as much as I want to see it, I would love to see it, and so um, I think it could be definitely a pot point for him to go to a school to get some information or to communicate something to somebody or protect somebody from somebody else. Like that would be amazing. I would love to see that. But other than it being some sort of direct huge plot point, I don't think Steven's being the, spending the time just to kind of showcase the schools, which I would love. But at the same time, I want the integrity of the story to be more important too. Like it's not just about like, hey, look at all these pretty things. It's like they're good stories. So I don't know. I'm excited to see all of it. I want I want this Fantastic Beasts world to be a romp around all the Wizarding World. Like why not? 
You know, how much yeah, time true. do you think we'll spend in France? I didn't even know it was in France. I didn't. I, I wasn't yeah, the aware next one's got to be in Paris, or at least start in Paris. That's cool. I Very shortly after, I think the end. There's reason to believe that he is going there to talk to a uh, Lestrange, either Lita or someone in the family. Ooh, that's a good point. The name has French origins, and yeah. uh, you know we were reminded of Lestrange. You know, in his suitcase, and then again, right at the very end of the freaking movie. Yeah. Um, by Tina. Any line that feels almost out of place or like is just a little bit extra level of detail, those just strike me as being significant. And there are quite a few of them. That's one of them. The end of it? Just when she brings up, you know, did Lita Lestrange like to read? Like, this is your parting conversation here. And I understand that you could say she's feeling a little bit insecure about maybe the reason that he's not showing more romantic interest in me is that he has feelings for this Lita Lestrange because she heard something from Queenie after Queenie read his mind that this is an important person to him. But uh, still, in your parting words to this man, you want to know if she likes to read. I feel like much more practical purpose of reminding all of us that this is a character that we should be thinking about and remembering. While also showing us that they have some kind of romantic bond. Yeah, I mean, she uh, she uses multiple purposes for so much. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I like it, but um, for me, it was just, I don't know what other way um, she would have been able to broach the topic with him. So, to me, it felt, it didn't feel out of place. Mm-hmm. It felt very organic. But that could just be, again, Joe's a great writer. And so, she could have just totally, you know, like, left, hooked me with just like, oh, it's so cute. Look at him. And by the way, side note, so glad they didn't kiss. It was so cute that they didn't kiss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I mean, Zoe Kravitz is going to be in, like, we're going to meet Lita Lestrange. Mm. Oh, we are. Excuse me. They said that Lita, they said that um, Zoe Kravitz is going to be in more of them. That's cool. Yeah, that's important then. Wow. So is Credence, by the way. Have we talked about this? Well, yeah, he was. There was a scene where the cut scene that they deleted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was boarding a boat. He was boarding a boat, like it was supposed to be a post-credit kind of thing. Yeah, I've been scratching my head on that one since we recorded last week because I didn't know about it until we recorded, and I'm just what? Well, I love the idea that he could now either team up with Newt or definitely be like anti-Graves. Like Graves completely screwed him over. Well, where do you guys stand on the the Tom Riddle stuff with him? Oh, I don't like that. What Credence is Tom Riddle, and Credence is related to no, Tom Riddle. No, he's gonna go like he's gonna go hang out with Tom Riddle at an orphanage. I don't like that. No, it seems forced. I don't even hang out with him, but he could be searching out other obscurial. He could be searching out of the wizard. I'm worried what he's going to do with modesty. Mo- what happens to modesty? Yeah, what happens to modesty? It's an excellent question. <laughs> like, does he just she just go into the system? She was sitting there terrified. Like, she just killed her sister. By the way, Chastity died in that scene when they left the orphanage. Chastity's dead. The mother figure is dead, and for all she knows, you know, Credence is. God knows what's happening to Credence. Like. When you think about what made Credence react the way he did, you know, the sister dead, the mother figure dead too. Like the little sister, an obscurial, like the man who was his mentor and like whatever kind of, you know, crush or whatever you want to call him, you know, turned out to be not interested in him and insulting him and everything else and potentially a threat to his sister. So, I'm really worried about her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like whatever plans... Grindelwald had for Ariana, he could be attempting to fulfill with uh, modesty. So, what do we think that Credence is doing getting on a boat? Do you think he's just fleeing? Hard to know. Maybe he's following Newt? Maybe. Or maybe he's following Grindelwald. Grindelwald's going to get his ass locked up for a while. Yeah, for like a day or two. <laughs> It'll be a little bit longer than that. And then Johnny Depp will turn into another actor, so we only have to get two seconds of him in the next <laughs> What I love is that, well, I don't love, so in the, in it's, it, it was like, you've committed a minor breach, you're sentenced to death. Oh, we got Grindelwald. <laughs> we'll just put him in a cell yeah, for a while. Like, him well, him well, cell. To, be, to be fair, Grindelwald is the one who was going to was killing that is, right. uh, Yeah, that yeah. is. Fa- I mean, I know, but it's still funny. It's still it is funny. Oh, it ironic. Is, it is hilarious. <laughs> Especially the other wizards involved are like, yeah, okay. 
Hey, yeah, Tina, it's fine. let's go. Oh, yeah, like, it's you, time. My friend, I know you. Let's get your happy memories out and throw them in a big vat of poison and go sit in that scary chair. Okay, yeah, go. it's Bye-bye. so funny. Don't they sound great? Yeah, don't they sound great? <laughs> I have so many problems with that representation in that scene. I have so many problems. Of what? Of now, what? real quick, when it your guys' like, theory on what happened there, was it more along the lines of she pulled a memory out, she put it in there, then it led to her parents. Oh, it's happy. Then she remembered that she was, they died and she was an orphan. And then she remembers the orphanage. And it's like, cause like, why did that spell break down? Like, did it just kind of lead her to like, why did she start seeing? Uh, I know it was just visual exposition for us, <laughs> the audience, but why did the spell in like in their world mechanically started showing when she attacked? Um, What's I think face, she, I think it's a moment of pride for her. I think it's a moment of, of good that she that she demonstrably did in the world, and it doubled as exposition for us. As I agree said. with oh, that hundred percent. I like that. That's a good explanation. Thank it you. Turned though, at, at, it turned at the point where one of the witches' wands fell in the thing. I don't know if that was what caused it to huh. turn, but at some well, point, that's when it got all like soupy and like Terminator Two, it, it turned. <laughs> in, in the book, in the book, they pointed out the fact that the potion turned different at one point and it started to call her a witch and it was Mary Lou getting super aggressive with her and I don't know what causes it and I don't know enough about this liquid to know any more than that but uh my, my first impression when I watched that scene and it, it might just be wishful thinking but I felt like it shared the same technology of the veil that we find in book five where whatever realm let's just call it death if, if that potion represents the crossover into death, beckoning the person toward it and then inviting them in. I felt like that was too strong of a, of yeah, a thing very similar. to do again and it, just to be totally random. I just don't feel like J.K. Rowling would do that if there wasn't a connection because the veil was such a big deal and it only did a few things and that's one of the things that it did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's Interesting. a good similarity there. Yeah, because I, I guess I assumed that that was a man-made room for where the veil was discovered. The veil was discovered, and that room is being made. Well, the main, but the I guess whole they ministry built, was built they around built the room veil. around like a fountain of that stuff. That's I canon. super doubt the Makuza was built on that. No, no, that, I mean, but the the veil was ori- originally there. The veil was found. The veil, the ministry was built, was around, built around the veil. The veil. Yeah, maybe they found a way to harness. That technology, I mean, if you think of the way that Sirius fell through the veil, that might be, if there's no pain involved, it, it might have been the most hum- humane way for him to die, that Makuza could consider that the purest totally. way for them to execute people. Or maybe just putting somebody to sleep before you execute them, like, just, it's that simple. You have stunning spells, you have whatever. <laughs> Instead, let's go through this emotionally manipulative torture. Sure. With the coach let's do it nearby. That way. Yeah. Yeah, that's really okay, strange. Okay, so on that bright note <laughs> wow guys we haven't even we've like barely scratched the surface of this stuff i think we can talk about this movie like for a good dozen episodes at least i agree i mean there's so Until much the next and, one comes and it's out. just like it's like john said earlier like you can just smell jk rowling on yep. this movie and it's lovely it's wonderful like, it's just so great to get the pacing and and what's it's so interesting too that our first exposure to this is visuals, not just words. So it's yeah. like, uh, no, it's great. It. There's there's so much to love. And plus, once we once we've been talking this movie to death, then we'll start getting information and stills and everything and news of movie two. So this is we are back in the swing here, guys. We are. It's very exciting. And we only got to three of your questions. We're so. gonna get better at like getting them quicker. Like we talk for twenty minutes about one question, we can't do that. We can't do that. So send your questions, your theories, your thoughts to staff at podcast dot com with whatever way you make an audio file on your phone, on your computer, whatever you want to do. If you want to just send us an email, if you want to just send us a tweet, we are at podcast. We are at twitter dot com slash podcast. We are at facebook dot com slash podcast. You can go to podcast dot com and comment there. You can also send us anything you want to that we can Did play you just on the air at staff at podcast. 
I did. I can't believe I said it like hey, that. This That's podcast like, was founded oh years ago. Oh my god! Sorry, guys. It's did, late. Did we say I'm we sick, and I've been doing this since ago. 1972. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Holy cow! It's just what it is. It's a website. Just pi- type it in. www. Just Google us. You can find us on a you know yeah. Google it if you can't remember. Podcast. Pretty simple. Also, 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 we are really excited and happy and grateful that you guys are still here our audience is still here as was very much shown last week uh we're grateful that so many new people are discovering the show we're so excited to to keep it going and as we have been asking you for so much support over the last decade of podcasting we're going to be asking you for a little bit more support we've been thinking about this for a little while and it seems to be becoming pretty popular for podcasts to have patreons or patreons or however you want to call it you, <laughs> patrons. you can you can be a patron of the show after all these years and we're going to put that up this week. And you're going to see all sorts of cool little perks and things that you can get um, for doing that. And I mean, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, we're going to have a, f- a Patreon community, meaning like if, you, if you're a Patreon member, there'll be an activity feed that you can only access by being a Patreon member. We'll have perks up for you. You, yeah. might get, you might get the show early. You might get a drawing from Frankie. You might get a call out on the show. So all of that's going to be going up at our Patreon page, which we will tweet out later in the week and then be talking to you about throughout every episode from here. But listen, like so many of you, just listening is enough. Just listening to the show is thanks enough. Oh, yeah. I've been getting a kick out of reading all your reviews and all your feedback. Seriously. All those iTunes reviews have been so cool to see We don't want anybody to part with money that cannot part with money. But if you do have the ability and you can support us... Like I said, it's an honor just for you guys to listen to us because... We just love talking about this nonsense and sharing our theories, hearing from you guys. It's just exciting to have like legitimate JK Rowling content, new content to kind of theorize about. And so everything's what they said. So take, keep an eye out for that and we'll talk about it more next week, next time. And please help us convince iTunes to leave Harry Potter podcasts featured on the front page of yeah, the podcasting marketplace by reviewing and rating podcast please yeah please rate and review us this really does help podcast continue to grow Mm -hmm. and it helps people get reminded that we're here we're still here we are still here still here always Always. after all these years well gang shall we die just a little (laughs) just a little (laughs) we've missed it i confess myself disappointed now if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. 